This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Thursday, 3rd of November, 2022, and a real hammer dropped on markets late yesterday and uh, quite a whiplash as well because we saw that release of the FOMC statement uh, with the left room for a dovish interpretation with the insertion of a key phrase talking about taking the cumulative tightening into consideration, the market reading that as the, the confirmation of this pivot that it so desperately wants to be able to rally and on the bliss and idea that the Fed is going to top out uh, as priced or even maybe slightly lower. And then we get the Powell press conference, which was a very, very, very unabashedly hawkish with many phrases that I'll pull out in a moment, taking the rate expectations for next year to new highs and cleverly engineering a pivot, engineering the idea that we may indeed see a downside pivot to 50 basis point hikes uh, as soon as the December meeting and yet still managing a hawkish surprise. I think that was the key takeaway by managing uh, where the terminal rate might be higher because they're going to continue to react to incoming data. That was the clear message from Powell. And there was, uh, as I said, some other phrases, but the key is, of course, the market reaction. And we see that everywhere. A very uh, clear reaction in terms of, again, the yield expectations hitting new cycle highs. Uh, interesting yield curve inversion getting more profound and new cycle lows in the inversion. And then, of course, sentiment absolutely uh, smashed here and the dollar going nearly vertical. So we have... Uh, uh, handing over to you, Peter, just a brief technical comment. Slide two, uh, the S&P 500, that uh, key resistance area held. And now we've already taken uh, the first Fibonacci or inspected it, at least, if you will, at 3765 area. The next big one down at 3665, that is the 61.8% retracement. But to my mind, as long as U.S. data remains relatively firm here through, uh, let's call it the next uh, few numbers uh, over the next couple of weeks, I think uh, this looks like a test of low scenario uh, at minimum here. Yeah, and I think that, so we talked about it yesterday in the podcast with the, with the equity market uh, rallying on, you know, a lower probability of recession because, you know, margins are down and the discount rate was higher uh, compared to uh, just uh, one and a half months ago. So um, I think, and, and now we had this 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 um, this message from Powell. I think the key takeaway here for me from for equities is that, you know, the discount rate will be, will, will move higher from here. It will stay there. For longer uh, i think he also said an interesting thing about you know the the window for a soft landing is narrowing um that i think is central bank's you know language for that unfortunately we might push the interest rates to level where we we cannot do a soft landing that's a, at least an increasing risk here if that's the case we will for sure get a lower low i mean even a higher discount rate in itself with a soft landing should put us in 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 my book to a new low on the equity market. But what could take us to that 3,200 level that we have spoken so much about on this podcast in the S&P 500 is the combination of tighter, uh, you know, tighter policy rates <clears throat> and tighter financial conditions to you know, really kill that demand to get prices under control. If we miss that narrow window for a soft landing and we get something more different, then you will suddenly begin to see the market um, you know, pricing in a different uh, revenue growth trajectory for, for companies, also more margin pressure on top of a higher discount rate, and then you will get that final leg lower. So I think that's really something to watch for here in uh, on on, <clears throat> on equities. If you also saw the response yesterday, I think it was a very 
mechanical right response to the high discount rate. You saw the high duration assets like bubble stocks, uh, cybersecurity, payments, e-commerce, the, the sectors, also energy storage sectors or industries, if you will, where you have very high equity valuation that naturally gives you a higher sensitivity to uh, these interest rate expectations. Yeah, and you see, you see China on a very different uh, uh, on a different very different uh, focus there. With uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, potential for, for uh, better Chinese growth. It's just amazing that uh, how the degree to which China remains disconnected with global markets. But yeah. it's fair to say that the rest of global markets are paying attention to the Fed here, the world's central banker. And just to reiterate, so you know he achieves the pivot, but still manages to surprise hawkish with that higher terminal rate talk. It leaves the market really uncertain where this could go. Could we go to six percent? Could we go to seven percent uh, next year if this data just refuses to calm down? Especially if we get some higher earnings, uh, continuing to drive uncomfortably high core inflation, and and you know just making some really clear statements like quote very premature to think about or talk about uh, pausing our rate hikes uh, when the market is essentially pricing. Uh, a deceleration in December and basically a stop by by March of next year. So and and actually still we're we're, we're pricing pretty much the same thing, just a little bit higher. Uh, you know we've and I put it on slide three here. So the new cycle high here for the Fed funds rate to expectations. Uh, it's the left axis there. That's for May of next year. That 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 uh, pricing at five hundred thirteen basis points. So we've we've only achieved another a notch higher of ten basis points. But uh, you know the whole curve out there is lifting. And then interestingly, as I show here, that's the 210 uh, yield slope, the blue line, hitting a new cycle high, uh, cycle low. And I think this uh, the market's been kind of reluctant to take it below that minus 50 basis point area, maybe as a sort of a, you know, a curve bet that the, the, the inversion can't really get more profound than that because it hasn't really been more profound than that since the 70s uh, or the, the, sorry, the early 80s. Uh, when when uh, Folker had to hike to 20 basis points and then got to some ridiculous levels, I'm forgetting if it was a you know more inverted than 200 basis points. I'm not saying it's going there, but why can't we get a a minus 100 basis point inversion considering where inflation has gone? I don't see why that's not possible. But also, of course, it will be key to monitor the long end here, which only bumped up a little bit yesterday. Uh, not that far above four percent. We're not yet threatening the highs. But to your point, uh, Peter, and I want you to bring in the slide four discussion here, which is. The valuations. So there's the valuations vis-a-vis -vis interest rates, and then as you say, uh, the the problem could be the earnings could come down as well, uh, and that means means that even if we stay at relatively uh, neutral relative to history valuations, uh, that if uh, you know if earnings are dragged lower, that means the price can uh, come down quite a bit more without even uh, getting into sort of these negative territory on the, on this uh, historic chart. Yeah, I, I think the, the way I'm looking, um, the way I'm thinking about this is that <clears throat> I, I, we are moving to an above average interest rate environment um, over the coming six to nine months. And um, we have this we have this <clears throat> duality. Will we get a soft landing or will it be something worse than that? Uh, and and that, you know, that that window. Uh, or path is is narrowing for the soft landing. Um, in in any case, I mean, a high discount rate will mean more pressure on the equity valuation. I mean, staying at the average when you have an incoming potential incoming recession of some sort, or you have above average discount rate, doesn't rhyme with an average valuation. That's why I'm looking for a, a <clears throat> something that goes uh, further down from here, and that's why I'm saying that the equity valuation compression in itself leaves a lot of room uh, for the for downside in equities. It's just I'm, I'm just highlighting this to give people the helicopter perspective on where we are in equities because we closed the uh, the month's books a couple of days ago so we could update our, our long-term valuation chart. I, I just think it's really a strong picture to have in the mind have in your mind that despite 
how far we've gone down from here. We're just sitting at, at average valuation with that outlook that Powell gave yesterday. I, I would feel a little bit uncomfortable uh, being an equity investor here. <laughs> I like the way you understate that, Peter. Well done. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's have a look at the reaction of the forex market before I get over to Ola on, on gold and commodities because of course the dollar a tighter Fed means a stronger dollar uh, as we all know and again that whole narrative around so many of these central banks are really wanting to to start to downshift and indicate a slower pace of hikes uh, had the market expecting the Fed to get on board with the same theme and I think what inter the interesting dynamic here is that this is going to double down the pressure for these central banks to have to pivot back to following the Fed because otherwise their currencies are going to go into the toilet and are actively going into the toilet uh, right now. And first up, and most interestingly, I think, in terms of the background fundamentals, is sterling with today's Bank of England meeting and 225 basis points of further tightening priced in, uh, I think, into March, uh, April, uh, sorry, March, um, uh, the spring of next year in any case. That includes today's expected 75 basis point move. I'm, I'm really, I'm almost shielding my eyes ahead of this uh, decision and ahead of the Bailey press conference. I wonder if he'll be this, the Bank of England governor beyond another meeting or two. Um, is he willing to guide that hawkish if he doesn't? Oh my, oh my goodness, uh, where, what is the downside risk here for, for cable uh, in the short term? So, uh, you know, a nail-biting meeting, they need to come in really guns blazing on, on uh, propping up their credibility on the interest rate side to keep sterling stabilized here. Otherwise, it could be a very, very interesting meeting. We already saw... The Nordisk Bank here, of course, they're not beset with any of these external uh, uh, imbalance problems of the UK coming out with their extremely oddball 25 basis point uh, tinkering with the rate. Uh, the, the market had actually shifted to plus 50 basis points today. Uh, unaware to me, I wasn't aware of that. I was expecting 25 basis points um, just because they seemed to be their style to go so slow. They did go slow. Uh, dollar Noki, have a look at that chart. Uh, quite interesting. So it's, it is all about the dollar. And it's going to be interesting to see how the world responds uh, and other central banks respond to get back on page with the Fed or else. Uh, and of course, uh, Ola on the gold market. So we have the a hawkish Fed here. I have to imagine without even looking at the gold price that it must be lower today. It is indeed, John. And, uh, and uh, not only gold, but most commodities did a 180 yesterday in response to this, uh, getting getting his, the, the signal uh, wrong. So... Um, we're back watching yields and watching the dollar. I uh, just put in the uh, Bloomberg Dollar Index, which is a broader uh, index, uh, and you can see the, the relatively uh, decent correlation we had to, uh, recently. So uh, probably more gold uh, dollar sensitive than than yield sensitive at this point. Uh, what can save the day? Well, um, I think the what you, the, the two ten uh, yield curve you showed there, where which is basically now moving above uh, negative fifty or below negative fifty basis points, is is obviously indicating, and together with what Peter mentioned about the the risk of a hard landing. And and uh, that is basically still what uh, could to, could change the day in, in in gold while we wait for this peak uh, peak hawkishness that the market basically uh, gets the uh, gets the inflationary direction wrong uh, or they get the low in inflation wrong and uh, inf and the economic uh, and the economy slows down before we they manage to get the inflation under control. So, um, but in the in the short term, uh, that sixteen fifteen level is uh, is within. Is within sight once again. So uh, clearly, a, a market where with the short-term risk points to uh, potentially some renewed weakness. I guess we have to remember when we look at the, your crude oil chart there. Although we're still in the lower uh, bit of this range over the last many months, that uh, with the stronger dollar, the prices are, are going up as long as crude's unchanged because it trades in dollars. So um, uh, I wonder what breaks the. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming at some point this market has to break either way. Of course it does, but. Uh, What's your anticipation here? Is there some kind of pent up, a sense of a pent up moving, a move coming here uh, for crude? 
Well, I think the market is simply just confused about the multiple opposing factors that, uh, that are currently in play in this market, and and they're all quite quite major. We got uh, and we're, they're all well known. OPEC cutting production, EU sanctions against Russia from next month, uh, China uh, delayed uh, continued delay in the, their reopening efforts, uh, also having an impact. So um, and SPR release is probably going to uh, dwindle or to, going to stop uh, following the election next week in the US. So uh, so on on balance, I, I still find that the, the risk of the of an upside break is is the greatest, and it's obviously happening at a time where the economic outlook is uh, looking looking pretty weak across the world. Worlds, which is not which is not good use not not good use not not on the inflation front either just a couple of the data points yesterday which uh, took the market up before we reverse up below uh, after the FOMC meeting was the weekly EIA uh, report we saw gasoline stocks in the US drop to the lowest in 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 uh, eight years since 2014 we got production still struggling to find a gear we uh, there was actually a small down revision last week so we are we're basically at production levels that we had uh, six months ago. Uh, clearly not what the market was looking for, uh, given the the high oil price and the incentive to produce more. And it just highlights the the lack of appetite for for increased investments in the U.S. at this point. And then finally, as well, distillate fuel stocks on the U.S. East Coast is running pretty close to empty. Uh, so that's that that's can continue to underpin the prices for for fuel products. And as long as that continues, then then the crude oil downside risk is is fairly limited in my in my opinion. Okay, Peter. And then on the risk sentiment front, uh, has to be the chief driver. I imagine across the equity space, uh, as we've may, have been talking here about the adjustment to uh, how much the Fed could could further tighten, and how much more importantly, the incoming data, which really is what we've offloaded to once again, uh, requires them to continue tightening. But is there any equity focus you want to to bring out here in this uh, pretty hectic and now a much more volatile market? Yeah, <clears throat> we've had good earnings from uh, Orsted and BNB uh, by and, and and BMW here in European trading. But as we look ahead in, um, in the US session, I think Starbucks is an interesting one. I think uh, for several reasons. One, it's a it's a large consumer company. I think they have pricing power uh, to to fight inflation, as we have seen from other consumer companies. They also have a pretty large footprint in China, which makes them also vulnerable to this uh, rising equity risk premium where we have talked about on Chinese equities. So I, I, that's a, that's a, an earnings, earnings release I'm looking forward to. And then um, I would mention uh, Mercado Libra um, as well. I, I mean, the e-commerce the, the e theme basket has been one of the worst performers over the past year. And then there's a lot of headwinds still, rising input pressure, supply bottlenecks, um, still high cost on logistics. It's coming down on the container freight rates, but it's the last mile delivery costs are still high and could go higher because they influence much more on the wage side than you know a bidding market for for container freight rates. So it's a, it's, I don't think it's it's over yet for e-commerce and uh, it's um, you know Mercado Libre is the South American version of Amazon. So and then it's still a, a high growing uh, you know high high growth company. So as you can see here on a little insert on slide eight. So watch that if you're interested in that. I should have highlighted as well in blue Cloudflare. Uh, Flare, sorry, um, Fortinet, the industry leader in cybersecurity, uh, delivered, um, you know, results a little bit better than expected yesterday in, in for the quarter, Q3. And the outlook at set above analyst expectations, but the stock was down in extended trading. So maybe, you know, market expectations simply for cybersecurity stocks uh, are too high for these companies to deliver. So that might, there might be a downside risk there going into Cloudflare earnings. And then I've put in a little insert on, uh, on quarterly earnings per share, 
uh, quarter on quarter growth rates. Um, as we have got more of the you know the longer tail, if you can even call it that, because it's they're, they're big companies. But the the long tail of the Nasdaq 100, so excluding the the, the top six seven names that are really large, has actually improved the uh, the Nasdaq 100 earnings uh, profile for the for the season. On a quarter to quarter basis, as you can see, it's actually Nasdaq now is is the uh, is the best performer in terms of uh, of earnings growth. Though, so, so but it um it's still down for the quarter and was the only segment of the market that was down uh in Q two quarter and quarter as well. And and as you can see with the green bars there, China is is really experiencing a, a, an earnings recession. I think uh, to some extent, um, if not you know a broader recession in some parts of it of its economy. Okay, uh, let's go to the macro calendar. I kind of already previewed the uh, Bank of England. Again, very big test for them today, given what is also happening for the currency. They need to be uh, hawkish to, I think, to uh, shore up the risks of a, another big down leg there. A couple of interesting data points. So the September trade balance out of the U.S., uh, but also that ISM services. So this is the next you know, best opportunity to get some uh, incoming data. Expected for that slight downshift to 55.3 just means they're expanding at a slightly lower pace or slower pace, I should say, than the prior month. 56.7 was the uh, September reading. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, something that uh, maintains a, a faster pace, 56 plus would be um, uh, would, would further support probably yields and the dollar. But it's more about tomorrow's uh, non-farm payrolls change. And we got a, a bit of input there yesterday with the ADP private payrolls change at plus 239K. That was better than expected. Not always correlating with the uh, non-farm payroll change, but um, it's just one of those inputs and an employment rate and importantly, average hourly earnings. All right, let's, uh, you know, helmets on here uh, with the sudden hawkish pivot from the Fed. You can see on that the appendix, the five-year chart of the S&P 500, the big weekly bar there and wiping out the previous a very sharp rally bar. Uh, so we have a, a very bearish um, a reversal situation here. The key will be that incoming U.S. data, if it remains resilient, uh, I imagine the pressure is maintained across markets, higher rates, higher dollar, uh, pressure on risk sentiment. So uh, yeah, let's be careful and we'll see where things stand tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.